Welcome back to the LeBlanc cast, the hockey podcast where we talk about hockey and stuff. Nice. I'm always joined by my greatest co-host, Luke Felsner. What's up, folks? Uh, Zach Peltenberg. Hello. And today we're joined by special guest, uh, Bruce Clark. Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, damn it. There goes the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just, uh, we're just going to edit this out, right? We can edit this out. <laughs> we're just going to no, jump it's... right into it. Um, we got some pretty good big extensions go around uh, this past week. Well, a lot, actually. Yeah, a few, few bang for your buck extensions. Um, Greenway signed a 3x3. Um, Holden signed one year 1.3. Uh, Merrill signed a three-year 1.2, uh, and then not really extension, but obviously uh, have to include that Kane signed with Edmonton, uh, one year 2.1, and uh, Braden McNabb extended amongst a few other uh, Vegas players uh, for three years for 2.8. Um, oh yeah, oh I apologize, I forgot. Um, Jeff Carter, how could I forget? Uh, 37 years old, signs for two years at 3.1. Um, I I can't really say too much bad about it actually because jeff carter's been good this year just seems like a lot for a 37 year old but hey man uh penguins are still somehow good so i guess i can't talk too much shit on that one yeah Yeah. a lot of the good though has to be credit to the coach right he's done an amazing job like he's he's probably jack adams yeah they've had so many games where like they've missed crosby and malkin Mm-hmm. Or they're missing Gensel too. They're missing everyone, and they somehow still win like four games out of five. Like I don't know how a coach manages to do that. That's the difference between the good and great coaches, I guess. That is true. Yeah, I mean yeah. Sullivan. Yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's one of those situations too where you know, it's funny because for years we've been making fun of Pittsburgh for having no prospects and no depth in the organization. Mm-hmm. And here they are with two of their best players out for most of the season, but still rolling along pretty good. Uh, with the with the guys that they have to fill in, like Evan Rodriguez, who saw him yeah, come out. That's what I was thinking. He like, was yeah. awful on Buffalo. Yeah, like Leafs legend Evan Rodriguez, he got traded to the Leafs for Casper Kapanen, and they literally just like let him go. And he didn't even play a game. <laughs> so it's like now he's a point per game, of course, because it's Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Jake Gensel's having an All Star season, of course. Uh, mm. Brian Rust is you know chugging along just fine and. I don't know. They just keep finding guys to just fill these spots. And like you said, uh, Zach, it's like their coaching just seems to always find a way to, to fill these roles in Pittsburgh. And they've just been doing it for years. Jeff Carter comes in. He's gets an extension for two years. Like you said, 37 years mm-hmm. old. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he earned his extension there for sure. Like he can't really talk too much about it. Like in, in a, any bad way, you know, like he's been, he's been a good player. I think he's like 0.6 point per game or above. Yeah. 26 and, 39 so just about 0.66 yeah um yeah i mean it's it it is the differentiating really between good and bad coaching there in truth because i mean obviously you have malkin crosby gensel letang and you and not to mention tristan jari is having uh, a fantastic season mm-hmm. but i mean after that again yeah evan rodriguez is their depth uh, zach ashton reese Kapanen, Rust is good. I can't talk anything bad about Rust, but it's just like, I don't know, man. They're figuring it out, and they don't even need Jason Zucker, who they gave away a, the mortgage on their house for. 
Yeah, and it's just again, it's Pittsburgh. It's just they've been doing it for years, and, mm-hmm. and of course, and and the other thing too, you mentioned Tristan Jari. Like, show me a Jack Adams being coach, and I'll show you a guy who had a really good goalie for a year. Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of been my motto. Is like typically whoever wins the Jack Adams, a their team wasn't supposed to be good, but yep. b their goalie is probably either a Vesna candidate or at least he got votes. Like it's usually goes hand in hand most years. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Who has one? Brendan Moore won last year, and yeah, yeah, Nadelkovich, the best. Yeah, Nadelkovich, of course. He had the best save percentage in the league last year. Bruce Cassidy was twenty twenty. It's not like Rask has been bad at all. Um, <laughs> no, Trotz, that was his best in a year, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Trotz. Um, in nineteen, they obviously had the best defense ever that year, and, and Gallant, the, I'm pretty sure was that the year last year. What's up? Was that the year that Laner was there and put up huge numbers in, in the I island? I think so, yeah. I think that was their Jennings year, right? Yeah. Did you look at the Jack Adams from, like, like who, like who the candidates for this year? You could see, like, you know, Dallas Eakins, he has Gibson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike Sullivan, Kristen Jarry is having a great year. So, you know, I, Everson, think I agree. It goes hand in hand. Everson in the wild, like, like the way the Talbot's been playing mm-hmm. for them the last couple of years, like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of just it, it seems to be there seems to be a correlation with that I've always noticed. Certainly. Yeah. Well, I want to I'm gonna talk about the extension two extensions that I think were pretty noteworthy. I want to say Jordan Greenway, uh, he was on like the trade block almost. Like he was like guaranteed he was a guy who you could see getting moved, and now mm-hmm. the extension just like nullifies that. And I think a three by three is a pretty decent deal for minnesota because he brings he's not he's never gonna be like a top guy but he's gonna be great for like your middle six mm-hmm. yeah, he's definitely a very viable player I, I i like greenway for sure i i can't really yeah i can't trip the contract at all yeah i like it too the one the problem with me and this is this is why i can't quite seem to wrap my head around how minnesota is so good is that a lot of their contracts are this like he's never going to be super good, but this is a decent contract for the type of player he is. Like that's all of that's all of their players. Yeah, uh, like, seriously. Outside of Kaprizov, who's yeah. obviously making you know the big money for the big player, but like Zuccarello is making six mil. Maybe one of the most underrated players in the league, by the way. But he's making six million for the next three years. Uh, I'm looking at their cap friendly right now. Like mm-hmm. Fiala is five million. Rask is four million. Erickson X five million. Felino's three, Greenway's three, Hartman's three. Like, there's a lot of guys that like three, four, five million. And in today's NHL, you don't see that very often. Not a lot of teams have a lot of middle range contracts. There's usually, like, obviously, I'm a Leafs fan, uh, so this guy behind me. But uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of high end contracts, and then they have to fill in the depth spots. Whereas Minnesota is going a completely different way. They have a mm-hmm. they have some bigger contracts on their blue line. Their blue line is yeah. great. Uh, but for the most part, there's a lot of middle range contracts in Minnesota. So it's a lot of guys exactly like LeBlanc said, like, uh, you know, it's good for what he is. He's a middle six guy. There's a lot of those guys there. Um, It's just weird how they're so good. Kaprasov is just that damn good. And Erickson Eck is really, yeah. This is Erickson Eck. Like he's on a pretty decent contract as well. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's all right. It's fine for, again, for what he is, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably the most, the, the base definition of like a two C, you know, like he's exactly <laughs> what you want in a two yeah. C. If you, yeah. if you had to make one in the lab, he would yeah, be like he is, it was Joel Erickson. And and like who saw Ryan Hartman coming out of nowhere and yeah, having seriously. he's having. Uh, so I mean, there's a lot to go into it, but uh, yeah, Minnesota is a crazy story for me. 
I could be yeah. wrong on this. Wasn't there some story with Hartman where he, like he was traded? He was traded while he was on vacation. Yeah, and that's what no I was say. And, Yeah, he had yeah. no Wi-Fi or anything like that. And didn't he miss like the RFA deadline or something like that? Or what was it? Right. I feel like that was like yeah. He no, missed he, some, got he got traded. From... He had no idea that the trade happened, and he I swear he missed like a deadline or something to get yeah, like he traded right to Philly. I'm pretty sure. Or... Yeah, I thought yeah. it was Nashville. He was in Nashville, but he might have got traded to Philly first because he was with who picked him in the draft like back in the day. Chicago, I'm pretty Chicago, sure. Chicago, yeah. He pretty was sure. Chicago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Was, no, Chicago to Nashville, got traded to Nashville. And then in the summer of that year, he got traded to Philly and he missed the deadline. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Hold on. Crazy. No, it was, it was Dallas. Sure was, was it I mean, Dallas? Maybe it was Dallas. Yeah. I'm thinking Philly. Yeah, though. no, because it was Dallas because he never even played for them. He was traded for Pitlick one for one, and he never played for Dallas. What an awful sign with Minnesota. What a terrible trade if they actually managed to hit the deadline. That would be like one of the worst trades in a while. Uh, another extension that I want to bring up is uh, Nick Holden because I. He he's he's been really good for Ottawa, like defensively. Like him and Zub, that pairing has been really played really well for us as of recent. He's also become like a fan favorite here. You see videos after the Sens win. The Sens have this feeling they win. They have a bike helmet and sunglasses to signify the long race of the season. And he's always yelling like him, 31st, 31st after they win. <laughs> and the fans, the fans just love holding. So and I think I'd, uh, I think he's got like a one year, one point two million, which is a really good for a veteran that he is, and he's been great for the team and as a veteran presence leader. Oh, uh, that's fair. Every yeah, team needs, I mean, a, especially when you got a young team like Ottawa <laughs> with all the youth that they have. Um, it it pays off so much to have a veteran voice, even if it's not like a legendary vet. Like Nick Holden's not going to make the Hall of Fame by any stretch, but he's just a guy who's been around the block. He's been on different teams. He's been on good teams. He's been on bad teams. Like that's, that's valuable to have on a young team like Ottawa when there's a lot of young guys coming in, trying to learn some lessons uh, and a guy who's kind of been a little bit everywhere is there that that's kind of a big deal. So actually I, I kind of agree with you, James. I, it's a really low key, like solid signing. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you need those kind of like I don't know that I would call him your rock, but like you know, like the guy that's not he's not gonna fuck you, he's not gonna be fantastic, but he's good depth, he's good uh, leadership, he's a good presence. Yeah, like I if think of I think of with the Leafs for example, like when they were on the rebuild, they were turning everything around, and they had Roman Polak there for a few years, like oh. different, different style of player, but like a guy who can who can fight through a lot of like really terrible situations and. He's also been on bad teams, been on good teams, uh, and he's always going to put that consistent effort out. Nick Folden kind of strikes me as the same type of guy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe um, slightly better with the puck. <laughs> no, Polak was elite. Polak was elite. Oh, yeah. Um, um, any other signings? I know we had – Luke, you want to talk about the Braden McNabb? Yeah, I do want to talk about McNabb just because <clears throat> I think it's interesting because obviously there's – if you want to sit there and just talk about speculation, the speculation with what Vegas is going to be doing this year and off season is really confusing to me, especially now, because obviously they elephant in the room. They have Jack Eichel now he makes 10.5 or sorry, 10. And he's sitting on LTIR and they're going to bring him in obviously once he's all healed and good and done. But um, 
the elephant in the room again is that Vegas does not have the cap space, no matter what to bring him in. Obviously you get extended cap space when the season goes on and especially in playoffs, you know, it's, it's no biggie, but um, they have a lot of guys like the, the big one that I would say is, you know, obviously we talk about Riley Smith a lot um, when that comes, you know, like Riley Smith, he seems like the odd man out. You can move Evgeny Dadanov, uh, blah, blah, blah. But like Alec Martinez really strikes me as the odd man out there. Um, he's signed for three more years at 5.25 and he's a good player. He really is, you know, like it's, it's not any chirp on him, but it's the fact that they have Theodore signed who's going nowhere and Petrangelo signed who's going nowhere. So those are your, you know, your top two Nicholas Haig is fantastic. He's a fantastic player. They just extended McNabb. So that's three lefty I've already mentioned. And then white cloud is not going anywhere either. He was obviously already extended for what is it, five years or something like that. And he's also fantastic. Yeah, I think he, I think he's one of those like weird seven year deals. Honestly, yeah, yeah he, did, he signed for an ex. It, yeah, I think it's six years. Yeah, six years, two point seven five, like a gargantuous amount of time. He's not going anywhere. So you already have Theodore doubles as a right D. So you have you know two lefty, two right D guy that doubles as both sides. I don't really know where Martinez ends up fitting. It could be both. It could be Smith and Martinez, or it could be Dadanov and Martinez. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it very well could be. I think right now they're projected like current cap space on the day is 5.7. Um, they have no logistic cap space, but because of, you know, like it's this point in the season cap space, they have that much. Mm. But you obviously, you still need to move more and you have three guys making five mil that are going to get moved. You know, like someone's going to, one of these dice is going to, or, dominoes is going to fall so i'm just curious which one it is so if it was me i would try to do everything i can to move dad enough mm -hmm. um and try to keep everyone else i know i don't know how the money is going to work and uh, obviously there's people who get paid a lot of money who are going to figure that out um <laughs> but to me it's dad enough and the reason i say this is because how often have we heard about the rumors about vegas is that it's like a turnstile like you go in there and then all of a sudden you're out of there yeah, absolutely. Uh, Riley Smith and, you know, Marsh or so and Martinez came a little bit later, but those guys have been around a, a lot longer. And to me, they mean a lot more to the team than Dadunov, who just got there. Uh, so for me, if it was possible to move Dadunov, even if it's like to an Arizona, if they need a roster spot filled or something, right. uh, just to get like even like a, a lower pick than he's probably worth, um, I would say do that. Keep Smith, who means a lot more to the team, the fan base. Uh, keep Martinez who's had some big moments with Vegas and mm -hmm. um, like that enough, his points are going to be multiplied by Eichel. So I, I wouldn't worry about dad point production. It's right. not even all that great. I know sense like James is over there. Like, yeah, I, I know dad not all that great, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he's worth the 5 million that they're paying him. Oh, no, it's certainly gonna, not going to no, mean I Eichel. I do want to say Kelly McCrimmon gives zero fucks. Like he traded Missouri for nothing. Yeah. Like he, well, like I, if he thinks it will benefit his team, he will get rid of anybody. Being being a WHL fan, I absolutely know that because he was a guy who uh, traded for Braden Shen in their in their Memorial Cup year, and he traded like three of what some of their better players at the time. He didn't care. They ended up going on a great run, and then uh, Saskatoon got these players back. And they sucked. Like they had Braden Shen and then they traded him and they were terrible for years because of the trade that Kelly McCurman made with them. So 
It's like, oh man, Kelly, Kelly McCrimmon has been fleecing teams for years. I'm <laughs> sure he'll figure his way out of this one. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of like a double-edged sword kind of guy. Like he's probably going to bite them in the ass at some point, but in the Definitely. meantime, like he's, he's definitely, yeah, dad enough. And especially dad enough is extended for another year at 5 million and their depth is good enough to where you don't need that enough at all. My only problem with trading Dadnov though is he has a modified no trade clause. So if you trade him to like a t- to a rebuilding team, which is probably the only team who will take that five yeah, million dollar by two contract, he's probably going to say, "I'm not going there. I'm going <laughs> to a team that's probably going to make the playoffs." I mean, and... he did sign with Ottawa when he originally signed the contract. Yeah, I guess that is but true. Ottawa I mean, had a young up and coming team. They just drafted two guys in the top five that year. It was all looking up at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, so his his um, on cap friendly, it's saying that it's a ten team no trade list. So I think all he all he has the real power to do is put ten if he doesn't want to go to. So that still leaves, you know, twenty one other teams that they could still work with. He has so, no say. In. So Dadnov, I know he didn't want to go to another Canadian team because he wanted to be with his family after the year in Ottawa where he couldn't see his family. Which mm-hmm. I think we plays a lot of all players. That's tough on a lot of players. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. But I think Dadnov would be the odd man out. He makes five million, and it's you need to clear ten million in cap space to get Eichel back. Right. Yeah, and like I said, is it is it exactly ten million? Is it like prorated? I don't know. I'll let them figure that part out. But I'm sure they'll figure it out. I'll, they'll work it out with their money guys and and make it work. Yep, they get paid the big bucks for a reason. Yeah, I think exactly. We're, I think we're gonna uh, move on. Hmm. Um. I was mad at Buffalo on last episode's podcast. They they really pissed me off now. Like um, <laughs> like I was mad last podcast. Now I'm furious. Um, Aaron Dell, how's he be suspended? <laughs> like I, I'm like it just it's devastating for Ottawa. Man, yeah, to to, it to have. To have finally, I think, a little bit of a role. And then, oh, there goes Drake Batherson because Aaron Dell was like, fuck you. That's why. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I do want to ask this. Like, do you guys think goalies should be allowed to hit players or and should players allowed to hit goalies outside the crease? Again, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because it's like if, if a goalie is – I don't want to call a goalie fair game because that's kind of BS because a lot of the time the goalie is just going to play the puck. But if the goalie is going to a place that I – you know, like that is – very acknowledgeably a place that's a hot spot that players are already really close to and the goalie chooses to go out kind of like in that situation, I get kind of, you know, like nudging him or hitting him out of the way, not just fucking blowing up his shit, but like, I don't think it's right that, you know, like he's untouchable and he can just go out there at any time and have the intention to just injure Batherson really. Yeah, I mean, like it, it sucks because Batterson was like, was our leading our leading point getter. He was like the 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 guy this year. And like, yeah, and so Sharpie Jack Sharp put out that um, video where he's like controversial hot hockey takes, and I was so the first two were, do you think the goalie should be allowed to get hit, and then do you think that goalie should be allowed to hit other guys? Um, I, to me, like that wouldn't have been a clean hit if that was a player. So. Yeah, like yeah. that's that should be the line. I think yeah, if it's a pretty like goalies should be able to make contact, they should be able to get hit. But if it's dirty, it's dirty. Like that hit was dirty regardless of who it was. It yeah. doesn't matter if it was a goalie or not. So I think that's uh that's just that's kind of the line right there. Is yeah, I think goalies should make contact or be able to get hit, but they can't do that. 
Yeah, so, maybe not like Lundquist level getting hit though. Remember that one hit that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a bit of where you draw the line on. His yeah, goal. it's kind of like when you say that to a hockey fan, that is like the those are the two situation like kind of situational things that they think of. It's like that guy gets his shit wrecked, or like he doesn't get touched at all. Like, yeah. And there there is a lot of in between. Like I'm not saying you know you can mm-hmm. ring around the net and just boom just crush him in the numbers, you know, yeah. but like. It, it is bullshit as a player to, you know, go into a situation like that. And I mean, you can't, you have the mindset as a player, like you can't touch him. Like that's, you're going to get a penalty. You're going to get, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get ragdolled by about three guys. I, you know, like it, it should, there should be a little more leeway, I guess, with that. I would say. For yeah. sure. I was going to say, Batterson never had the puck either. So regardless, it's interference. Yeah. yeah. I think my favorite thing about that whole situation is that Dell then got put on waivers. Wait, really? Yeah, he got he got suspended. Then they put him on waivers, hundred percent. And then Buffalo had no goalies against Arizona. That I thought that was really funny. That's fantastic. Karma. Yeah, I mean, like it just it's it, it, it's a terrible situation. Like good, like it's a high ankle spring, which is like, I mean, Jack Eichel had that. Um, I think most players who've had that injury, it's like it takes you out for a while. It's like a eight to like six month recovery. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if I was the Sens, I think I would shut down Barrison for the year. I don't want him coming back at unless he's one hundred percent. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree too. It it's a really rough situation too because you want you want to let your young star player play, but at the same time, like you you have a long future ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You don't so, want to you don't want to you want to fuck that up. You don't want to yeah. put a guy out there who's. Or injured. I know we talk hockey, but if you talk football, you look at uh, Robert the third when he was with Washington. They put him back in that game when he was not ready to go back in, and they rushed him back the next season, and he he, he got worse. Or even re- more recently, Michael Thomas in the NFL, where um, they yeah. rushed him back, and now he's out for two years. Like it's wait two years. Yeah, he was out oh, last wow. year, and then he's out this year too. Oh, all okay. Year because of it. Were, okay, my bad. I was like, he's out another year. No, no, no. <laughs> not that I know of at least. <laughs> Um, I think we're going to move this into team report. Um, what a horrible week for Ottawa. Um, <laughs> um, ju- just on the injury front, like we lost Baverson, we lost Norris, we lost Graham Brell, we lost Brandstrom. No, Brandstrom did come back last game, but you want to talk just... about injuries and uh, Ottawa Senators? How much time you got? Oh, no, that's all, that's all, that's all, that's all I'm going to mention. That's all I'm going to mention there. Yeah. I could go on for hours. We, we've lost like, We've lost so many players this year. If you go on Ottawa's cap friendly, actually, right now, and you look at um just like their on roster forwards versus their IR and stuff like that, it's actually a really hilarious graphic because it goes from Brady Kachuk, who signed for, you know, ever. And then it's just one to two year guys because fucking everyone else is out. <laughs> you know, like it's Brady Kachuk and then it's Tierney one year, Sanford one year, Watson two years, Paul one year. And it's just like, it's so funny because you look at any other team and everything's so spread out, and then it's just one guy, nobody. And then you go to defense, still Shabbat, nobody. I, I do <laughs> want to say, though, um, in the absence of these guys, we've had guys step up, which I love to see. Like, four men's been great. Four men's been almost point per game in the past, like, 17 games. That's fair. And Tim Stusla, uh, what Stusla's a nasty goal. That that OT winner versus Edmonton, mm-hmm. uh, that broke my heart, a because I had Edmonton in my parlay. That hurt, um, but that was just like I, I really was convinced watching that OT that 
Edmonton was going to win. You know, like it was, it was a lot of back and forth. I thought it was just going to go to a shootout. And then Stutzler just comes in the slot, backs up, gives himself the perfect shooting room and just tink right over Koskinen's uh, shoulder. I was like, damn, okay. He's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to give you this stat. I think Matt Murray's back. Oh, I'm like, oh, you don't James, you can't get this hope. Oh, wait, 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 wait. This is, these are Matt Murray's stats mm-hmm. for the six games he played after the Toronto fiasco. The block James Vick stats guy. <laughs> He's 4 0 oh, 2 with one shutout, save percentage of 0.941. It's pretty and, good. And two goals against average. He definitely yeah. does. The fuck was that? Pretty good. Did you guys hear that noise? I'm sorry. I'm geeking right now. <laughs> yeah, we heard it. H- Hamburglar went on a tear too, though, James. Goalie, bad goalies go on tears. It's a, it's a natural. No, thing. we mentioned this all the time. Where like goalies like are weird. Thanks. But like, yeah. I think Murray since coming back up from being sent down has played terrific for us. And he's his still, last, he's his last three games. games has been fantastic. I mean, Buffalo, he shut out. Carolina 0.931 and last night just about a 0.95. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are fantastic numbers for sure. Oh, I think the team is progressing despite injuries. I think the team is stepped up. Our are like bottom three, are like our bottom two lines have really stepped up to play like second line roles. Like it well in the meantime, but like I know our fourth line is like guys who are like we're, they're from our prospects, but they're just they're not ready. Like Sokolov looks looked great last night. Uh, Calistic is a good project for us, but he's not ready to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully they can have some of the same luck against the Islanders uh, tonight. But uh, yeah, I think the team. I here's the thing. I don't. If you say, "Oh, I don't find me the players," I'm like, "Okay, I know that." But I, I don't really matter to me. It's a strong draft, and I feel like the team is going in the right direction. This is a really good draft too. Those, if there's any draft to be bad in, it's probably this one. I'm not sure you couldn't be bad last year. Like, come on. <laughs> um Luke, Zach, what about your Red Wings? Um, um, you know, uh they're still the Red Wings, so uh they still lose games that are won, uh, like against uh good friend here, Clark's team, the Leafs, you know. Mm-hmm. Go into the it, it's weird because honestly, the last two games have probably been the best Red Wings games I've watched all year, just because of just how they've played. Like we played the Ducks last night. We limited the Ducks to 15 shots. Um, one goal on a screenplay, you know, just a pretty basic yeah. goal that goes in, but they've played really good overall hockey. Like they, it's, it's nice now that they've kind of put first line in the second line because Larkin is just on fire right now. He, he can't be stopped. Like he's, he's one of the guys that's re- completely able to control the game right now. And then the second line, they're a good bunch of grinders that can make stuff happen. So to have that and Zadina's chipping in a little bit, two goal or two points last two games, take that. Or I think it's two points last three games, which isn't phenomenal, but uh, for how he's been this year, we'll take it's it. It's way better. <laughs> yeah, it's way better than how he's been logistically. Um, but no, I mean they've they've played really good. The first two periods against Toronto, they were fantastic. They um we went into what 10 minutes left in the game. We were winning four two, and then you go and look at the score box and it's seven four. So that's something. Um, Bunting just decided to drag his nutsack on her face. Um, <laughs> it was yeah, great. no, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure no, it wasn't. That no, one. it wasn't. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, it was, it was like a classic, just, you know, like it, it happens. I, honestly, like I'm not, I'm not pressed over that game. It happens. You're going to lose those games. Leafs uh, won two straight in the exact same fashion, which is pretty damn cool to see actually. Um, no, I mean, I, I can't, I can't complain about the Red Wings. You know, this, this whole season's kind of been growth yes. improvement, seeing our young stars. Most cider has been insane the last two weeks. Like he controls every aspect of the game. Like he is the hub for everything for the Red Wings. He punches, I think 20, some 23 minutes a night right now. He's been incredible. Um, and yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that. I'll say at the start of the year, I said, um, low expectations, but I feel like it's going to be a fun year. It's not going to be a year where we're going to make the playoffs or do anything in the playoffs, but it's just <laughs> going to be a fun year where we watch the young players play. Hopefully Larkin bounces back. Because Eitherman said that he probably will. All, mm-hmm. all of this stuff happens, and, and it ended up being correct. It, it's just been a good year. Yeah. Um, it feels like we're starting to see a dawn of something that Steve, of what Stevie's been building. Like, the tides are starting to turn. Detroit's not that team that wins, like, what was it, 12 games in, in a whole season. Yeah. Um, yeah they're I mean, not it's, the worst it's... team in the salary cap era anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun team. Yeah, it's, it's basically just like everything that you could hope for in a rebuild and where a rebuild could be at right now. It's like you're there. You're, you're, this is exactly what kind of you wanted this year uh, to NHL standards. The Red Wings are 500 currently. Um, we have, you know, Lucas Raymond, who's a caller finalist, evidently. Cider, Calder, Finest, and evidently um, Nindelkovich probably won't get there, but he's had a great year. L- Gustav Lindstrom's really under the radar. He's kind of like a does most of the stuff right kind of guy. And yeah, I mean, Larkin, he has 43 points in 41 games. It's everything you could hope from him. I was watching the Wings game the other night, and I was like, they said Lindstrom, like, oh, damn, Nick, Nick came out of retirement? <laughs> yeah, Lindstrom, not Lindstrom. It's kind of a funny one because our announcers do it at least once a game. Ken or Mickey Redman does it all the fucking time. That guy is a complete gem, but he does it like he he reminds everyone like twice a night that it is Lindstrom, not Lindstrom. You know, um, I think the Red Wings are progressing well, very well. Like even above my expectations, I had them having like that said like a fun year, but still like not. Could be great, mm-hmm. but they've exceeded my expectations. Most cider has been what I Lucas hyped him up to be from day number one. <laughs> and like I've always liked most side, I've always liked Lucas Raymond. But I think the wings have a very bright future ahead of them. I do want to say though, when the wings lose, they lose we bad. lose bad. Yeah. It's in terrible fashion each and every time. It's like you're looking at the game, you're like, oh cool, three, two game. Shit, it's six to three. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah. what happened? Oh, I think that's a lot to do with having a young team, though. Like, teams Absolutely. go through that. And I honestly think the Red Wings are probably ahead of schedule for what I kind of expected from them. Um, like, to see their young guys step up, like Lucas Raymond coming in, having the year he's having, like you said, uh, and all these guys just kind of, like, playing really big roles. Like, I don't know. I think the Red Wings are going to be dangerous, like, pretty soon. And we'll, I think we'll start seeing them kind of be in the free agent conversation again for some big names because they have some cap space, cap space mm-hmm. clearing. Uh, and Stevie White, Stevie Wise, there. Obviously, he's gonna have a little sway with some guys. Uh, that mm-hmm. rink is gorgeous. Uh, so I think we're gonna start seeing Detroit start to become a destination again, just like it was back in the '90s when everybody wanted to play there because they were winning all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're gonna be as dominant as they were for 25 years, but uh, I think they have a chance to get to back to that level almost. 
yeah we're we're kind of nearing like we're not i'd say we're still about i don't know i mean i don't want to call playoffs next year out of the question the atlantic is incredible so i'm not gonna you know sit here and say either way it's it, I mean, Tampa, Florida, and Toronto are all essentially locks. It's kind of what happens with Boston. You know, like we can squeeze ahead of Boston, and the Metro is always changing. Um, the Atlantic is the toughest division in the NHL. Like, I, I, I'm convinced. Like, there's no it's, way. It's, it's hard because the Metro has, like, you know, like five or six really good teams, but the Atlantic has four of, like, top, like four top eight teams, really. Like four just fantastic teams, and especially in the playoffs, like these are really damn hard teams to beat. Like Florida is the funnest team right now. Tampa is obviously Tampa. Toronto has four of the best forwards in the NHL, and Boston you can never count out. You really can't. That's it. It's it's not that even it's like the top to bottom strongest mm -hmm. division because I think there's better teams like you said like the metros may be deeper but the fact is, is like you're not making the playoffs like it's no, just like exactly. there's four teams that are going to make the playoffs for the next while and mm. that's just kind of how it's going to be like it's the al east of the of the nhl like it's the yankees red sox rays like how are the jays going to get by these guys like they're just very good all the time it's like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's the same situation like i don't know it's tough no i for, mean seriously for- it's it's it this division is probably the toughest for a rebuild to come out of. And we've got four rebuilders. Buffalo is obviously forever rebuilding. So you don't got to worry about them, but I mean, um, Ottawa is trying to come out of it pretty soon here. Detroit's working on coming out of it. Montreal, if they hit this draft, they can come out of it decently fast. They could probably for as much shit as they get. I don't think a rebound is too out of the question with Montreal. They still have a pretty good pent up forward core. Um, Price comes back. Yeah, I mean, if you if you get lucky with price, that'd be huge. But I mean, yeah, it's like it's it's so hard to look at because you know, like Florida, Toronto, and Tampa are absolute locks. They're locks. Like mm-hmm. you're you're not getting past those as those teams. And Boston is the only question mark because of just their aging core, right? You know, like Bergeron's got one year left. McAvoy's sick. You can't say anything about McAvoy or uh, Pasternak. But I mean. Martian and Bergeron are evidently nearing their end. They're still elite, but they're going to decline at some point. It's, it's inevitable. Um, you can't escape father time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's going to happen with Boston, but I mean, still they're probably Bergeron's probably not retiring this offseason as a UFA, but it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a really tough division. Really tough. I want to say just like Vegas is the leader in the Pacific. They have 55 points. They wouldn't even be, they'd be the second wild card in the East. Yeah. Like the Pacific as a division is so weak. The Oilers can somehow make the playoffs. I just want to put that out there. Oh, the Canucks can still make the playoffs after all their fiascos. Yeah. Uh, And moving on, Clark, how do you, how do you think the Leafs have been doing this, this, this year, obviously? Oh, like Luke said, it's a lock for the playoffs. So I'm kind of just coasting at this point. (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny because like i don't know you guys see leaf fans tweeting i know you guys have twitter uh but like you know people are saying that they've been playing really bad for the last little stretch of time and they're eight they're eight wins two losses and an overtime loss to colorado since christmas so it's like yeah we're eight we're eight two oh and one and uh we're not playing good um so i don't know it's one of those it's it's like it's weird because i don't think I don't think Leaf fans are used to winning. And that's obviously clear because like they're, I, they're such critical 
fan, it's a, such a critical fan base. Every win isn't good enough. Every loss mm-hmm. is catastrophic. And they, they never do things the right way uh, for anyone. And it's like, mm-hmm. guys, they're 8-2-0-1 in the last 11 games. Like, they're doing pretty good. This is this is how teams win. Like, this is this what happens. Uh, like, <laughs> this, like, this is the literal manuscript of winning. Yeah, you are this winning. Is, this is what happens. Like, yeah, they've blown some leads. Everybody blows leads. And yeah. if there's games, like, it happens. This is hockey. This is the NHL. I, I feel like like the Leaf, fan, Leaf fans just need to have a bit of a wake-up call because mm-hmm. we were so bad for so long. I think we forgot how to be – how to be fans of a good team. Like, well, the, I think it's still shocking some people. Because every year, I think Toronto start, always starts out the season a little slow every season. And all it's the league bets, oh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And now that they're good, they're like, what do we do? Yeah, what do we do? The sky, <laughs> the sky has to be falling. It has to be falling somewhere. So where is it? Uh, so everyone's, you know, bashing Justin Hall and uh, calling out Mitch Marner. And Jake Muzzin's having a bad year. And all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I'm looking at it completely different. I think they're playing really well. And yeah, they've been blowing some leads, but at the end of the day, they, they've only lost one of those games. One of them was an overtime loss. So I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. So they've lost two of those games where they've blown all these leads lately. And it's like, they're still holding on to wins. Um, you know, for the most part outside of Arizona, they're beating, they're beating almost everybody. Arizona was stupid, by the way. Um, it, it happens. Trust me. It happens. Yeah, it happens. And that's the other thing. It happens. Like these are still NHL players on both sides. Uh, yeah. So, Every once in a while, you're going to run into a team that just has a really good night for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just how hockey works. And I think people are being – I mean, it's its Maple Leaf Nation, so they were always irrational at the best of times. But I think people are – I think Leaf fans are being a little irrational with how the season has gone. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of showing some people's true colors for a lot of ways. Like, I don't know. I Again, I feel like they're doing pretty good this year. Uh, a lot of guys are having really good seasons, underrated seasons. Like Alex Kerfoot's having a career year so far, um, and nobody's talking about him. Um, yeah, he has been fantastic. 31-41 yeah. I'm looking at right now. Yeah, and he's been all over the lineup. Like he's going third line, second line. He's been on the first line. Uh, he's been all over the lineup. He'll do whatever, you know, Sheldon Keefe asks him to do, and nobody's saying anything good about him. Um, you know, Muzzin and Hall can't catch a break. Dermot hasn't been good enough for anybody. Uh, I kind of want Dermot out, by the way, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Mrazic, Mrazic plays four games over the stretch of three months and he doesn't have the best games of his life. And now everyone wants to dump Mrazic because he's not good enough, but he's had like, you know, a nine thirty in his last three games, save percentage. Uh, and he's like, he's doing really well. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to keep a level head because I truly believe this is one of the better teams that they put on the ice for years. And uh, I'm trying to, you know, take a, a good approach to this an optimistic approach um, but it's hard, man. It's, you get beat down every day just looking at all this, all this negativity about a team that's doing really good. They're fourth in the league in win percentage, guys, and it's yeah. like nobody's happy about it. I, 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 yeah. do, I do want to say this. I find Leaf fans – so my boss is a Leaf fan. The owner of where I work is a Leaf fan. I know a bunch of Leaf fans like I, in group chats, like in – they're the most yeah. divided fan base on oh, everything. Totally. Like, <clears throat> like you'll say one thing and they'll have like an internal argument. About yeah. everything. <laughs> like, 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 oh, Mar- oh, Marner is good. He's he's great. Then I have my, my my boss. Oh, Marner, shit, he gotta go. He makes too much money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. <sighs> it's absolutely that way, and that's maybe the hard part about. I don't know. I don't want to like you know to to my own horn as a fan or anything. like the hard part of having such a large and widespread and diverse fan base is there's way too many ideas flying around all 
the time and people need to just stop <laughs> like just just stop yeah. having ideas your ideas don't matter yeah. <laughs> I feel <laughs> honestly I really like that way of thinking yeah I feel, I feel like if you listened to all of the Leafs fans on, on Twitter and had no context behind it you would think that they've won like 10 games all year like, yeah max. <laughs> like if you, they're, the, if, they're the worst team they haven't had a full 60 minutes once all year uh they're terrible defensively they're soft uh you know they need to trade for roman polak again what's going on uh it's just it's it's too much i i so i've honestly you know trying to stay away from twitter and stuff during games has kind of changed my life a little bit like it's made my life better <laughs> that's funny as hell man no, like I go on Twitter, I see like some like people like thinking like these like trade like you know we need to trade Marner. You know who I think would be a good good match for Marner? Let's get Tom Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we need some grit. Where's <laughs> Dion Fanu? <laughs> yeah, he could come out of retirement. He's only like thirty six. Uh, so that's the other thing. Like when the when that quote from Doug or Bill Armstrong, Doug Armstrong, who was the GM of Team Canada, Doug Armstrong or Bill yeah, Armstrong? Doug Armstrong, Doug. yeah. When that quote came out where he's like, yeah, we're going to go for maybe some bigger bodied guys because we have a lot of skill in the lineup. And everyone's like, that means Wilson's going to make it over Marner. That's what he means by that. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I just thought that was a little ridiculous. But like, yeah, the fact like everyone wants to trade Marner for three guys because that would be more a better use of that money. It's like, okay, okay, go out and find a trade then. Go find me a trade. And you guys trade Mitch Marner for three players that would make this team better. Go ahead. Make it work. I think, I think I've mentioned this um, more than once, but I think Marner is a good player. I just, I think he needs another person to be on that line with him. And I think he's been, I think he's just way too inconsistent. You think John Tavares isn't good enough for? No, 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 no. I'm saying John Tavares is good enough for. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if, if Tavares was out, I don't think Marner can carry a line. That's just, that's just, that's just my opinion on that. He's, he's definitely come back from this little injury that he had with a way different mindset. And I actually really like uh, what he said to Sean McKenzie on Sportsnet the other day. I think it was after the game uh, against uh, the Devils. And he scored a goal. I think he has a five or six game goal streak now, which is weird mm -hmm. for him. Uh, and he was like, you know what? Um, I just finally have a, a different confidence level in myself that I know I can score goals. I just always look to make the play instead of shooting. And now I'm just ripping it. It's literally what he said. He's like, I's just ripping it. <laughs> no, because yeah, we said uh, Marner's got a good shot, but he's not you know, he wasn't shooting yeah. enough, and now he's shooting and now we can see how good he is. And it's working, and it's like, oh, okay. And he literally said himself, like, I think I'm surprising some goalies because he's been a pass first guy his whole career. And there's yeah. so many times where you see Mitch Marner coming in. Like I've seen like three on ones, you know, odd man rushes where it's like he had the best opportunity for a shot. Sorry, guys. He had the uh, the best opportunity for a shot, and he would pass it every time. And now he's shooting, and goalies don't know what to do with it because uh, they aren't expecting it to come from him. Yeah. And it's just uh, yeah, it's just a whole different thing from him, a different mindset. And it's it's great. We needed another guy with a kind of a killer instinct, and he's kind of showing it. So I hope he keeps it up. Well, now now that he's shooting too, it's so scary because he's such a creative player. Like without <laughs> the shot, like it. Yeah. When, you, when you're with a three on one, he he can make a play that. You're so a, a defenseman or a um, goalie are just so confused by they're bamboozled by um, what what he did, and now yeah. he can shoot. So now you're like, is he gonna pass it to, to this guy like between his legs, or is he just gonna shoot and score on me? Like you don't know what he's gonna do ever. It, right. It's just a whole different game now. Totally. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to add anything else or anything, but I think that kind of wraps up uh, where I'm at. I think they're doing great. 
<laughs> I do want to add one thing that I kind of I kind of like it. It's 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 like this hitter. Or I don't want to say it's again. I'm gonna use the term double edged sword. I guess. Um, as a Red Wings fan, obviously Atlantic team fan, you know, and forever uh, rival of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know. Yeah. It's it's so easy to you know poke fun and blah blah blah. But honestly, like I, I've really liked where the Leafs are at lately. You know, like uh, if Marner can stay on this track and if he can keep the same mindset heading into playoffs the Leafs will probably win in the first round and obviously you know in our season preview we talked about you know the Leafs in the first round you know like it's 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 the big dragon at the end of the road you know like what the hell are you gonna do and I like I I think it's a good sign when you know like Marner has this newfound confidence Matthews is obviously great Nylander is no longer the scapegoat and he's just able to perform how he can um TJ Brody Riley or Riley Morgan was what I was about to say. Um, you know, like it, it, everyone's hitting at a lot of levels right now for the Leafs. And I think it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, like everyone will go back and relate back to all the times the Leafs have blown leads. Every time the Leafs have done this, every time the Leafs have done that, but like the last two games, they came back from four to two. And what was the, the game against the devils? Was it four to one or something? It was four two. I was scared. I had yeah. a parlay. <laughs> yeah, I had the Leafs in my parlay, and I was looking at that, and I was like, "Man, I really want the Leafs to come back." And I'm switching through games, and I'm like, "Oh, cool, five to four Leafs." You know, yeah. like I think those are really good, and I think those should be like fantastic confidence boosters for a the Leafs and b Leafs fans because that's on top of the actually winning consistently. That's something that Leafs fans have not seen much over the course of being a fan is you know like you get in that hole and most of the time it's in for most of the teams nevertheless you stay in that hole when you're down you know coming back from two multiple goal leads in two back-to-back games is fantastic yeah and one other thing too like going back over this stretch of the last 11 games or whatever it is like they they've been really spread out there hasn't been much consistency in how they've played just because of postponements and stuff but it's also been against, well, Ottawa on New Year's Day, right? That was a 6 nothing blowout. Sorry, Jamie. Um, but then there was, you know, Edmonton, and they were, you know, they're, they're still a tough team. I know they've been struggling. but And then Colorado, Vegas, Arizona. We're forgetting about that one. St. Louis, <laughs> the Rangers, and the Islanders and the Ducks. The Islanders have been surging. The Ducks have had a really solid year. Uh, so those are all good teams. And like I said, yeah, they've been losing leads. They've been playing some really good teams. Uh, and that's just how good teams operate. They were trying to claw back too. They're they're good too. Like, so I mean, yeah, they were they were coming back and scoring goals against the Leafs late in the game. But uh, those are you know four or five of the top 12-ish teams in the league. Um, they are good. So the Leafs have found ways to beat those teams, and that's the sign of you know a team you know that we haven't seen uh, with the Leafs in the last decade where you know they're beating good teams even through hard times and adversity so it's great it's been it's been a fun stretch it's been entertaining it's been frustrating at times but it's uh it's fun either way i do want to say you can't blow a lead if you don't have the lead there you go that's and that's what, uh, yeah. what our um, mindset the last two games have been i think we're gonna <laughs> move on um trade targets i know uh luke I and Zach have uh, we each put two trade targets out there, and mm-hmm. I just want to. I'll have you go four. first, Clark, so we don't. If you don't, if you want to, if you have any trade, yeah, targets, you guys I'll, go. I'll piggyback on you. All right, Luke, you want to start us off? Oh hell yeah! 
Um, I, I'm going to take two trade targets that uh, I'm taking these guys that are one of them saying rumors for sure. Um, but two guys that I don't think should get moved, but I think probably do get moved just because of the situations of each uh, one uh, free Brock Besser, honestly, free my man. You know, like there's, there's been so much speculation over the past few years. Now it seems that Brock Besser is going to get traded Brock Besser. I mean, hell like Minnesota is the prime hub for that trade talk. And I mean, hell, you want to work out a Kevin Fiala, Brock Besser trade? I like that trade. Truthfully, for both sides, I like that trade. But um, Vancouver's obviously had a very up and down year. Uh, Brock Besser seems on the outs in every conversation that you have. And I, I think he probably ends up getting moved this deadline. I don't think it's going to be in, you know, like the Knucks acquire a first round pick and prospect. I think it's probably going to be, you know, like one of those flip-flop trades that you see. And like, like it's going to work team. out for one team. It's not going to work out for another. Is that James? Uh, just say like basically, it's a, it's a hockey trade, like a one. Yeah, it's a hockey trade, exactly. It's you know, like it's these guys need that mix-up type thing. You know, both those guys. I know Fiala's had a pretty underwhelming year. Uh, I think that could be a deal that could happen exactly as that. I think it could go a magnitude of other ways, but I think Brock Bester is a guy that should be targeted at the deadline by teams and probably is moved. Um, and then my other that I'm going to say is um, obviously Philly is in tons of talks because. You know, they're really bad this year. They're really bad. And leave it to Chuck Fletcher to fuck it up because that's what he does. And um, <clears throat> one guy, if I'm teams and I'm calling nonstop on, is Ivan Provorov. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's a fantastic young left-hand D. He's signed for four years at 6.75. He is a fantastic player. Fantastic. Like, But he's having a down year. He has 17 points, 41 games. Obviously, points aren't everything for defensemen, but this is on pace to be his worst year of his career. Um, he is, he has a minus for about the second time in his career. Um, yeah, obviously you've seen the rumors on Giroux. You've seen the rumors on a ton of guys, you know, uh, Yando could get moved. Ellis He's coming is, home. It's yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's all these rumors, obviously of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, R- Rasmus Ristolainen too. He's probably a deadline move for another gross overpay because Rasmus Ristolainen is a name. Um, but Provorov is he's he's a guy that I don't know that he will get moved, but he's a guy that if I'm one of the 31 other teams, I'm calling on them every day, every day. I I really like that actually, Provorov. I I would like that's really good. I, that, I, I there's a lot of those. They should be able to get huge value for Provorov. Like oh, they could get huge value, but it could also go both ways. And it's like every deadline, it seems to have it happen where there's a guy that's not really in trade talks, but he ends up getting moved. And Profrov's kind of my pick for that because you look at Philly and it's just uh, if you've looked at the 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 rumors and uh, articles on Philly lately, it's the Philly wants to make some moves. They want to change stuff up. And Drew's obviously going to be the pinnacle of that being, you know, just on his last year of his contract. But Philly doesn't want to go and go through some big, long rebuild. Um, they want to kind of have it be a bounce back. They want to figure that out. And they kind of try to do that over the offseason and, I, I do think this year would have been a lot different for Philly if they had Ryan Ellis healthy. He's only played four games for them this year, which is mm-hmm. that kills you, man. That hurts so bad. Um, no. But I mean, yeah, they, they said there was the one thing, you know, Drew is linked to Colorado super heavily and fuck Colorado if that happens, because that's just a super team in the definition. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they said that Travis Konechny was over almost moved last offseason. Like the deal was almost done and they decided not to do it type thing. Yeah. You didn't see that. Um, no! Yeah. That was, that was totally no. posted. I totally remember seeing that. Um, I, I could, I could pull it up I at some it. point. Bro, yeah. God. It looks like Clark knows what I'm talking about. Legend. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in Philly, and I wouldn't leave it out of the question to say that Ivan Progorov could be moved. Yeah, I, I, I love it. <laughs> I <gotta> <laughs> That'd be mass chaos, and I like mass chaos. So let's let's bring it on. Uh, Zach, what do you got? Um, so my first one is Dylan Strom. I feel like any player that scores a hat trick against the Wings naturally usually get <laughs> traded to the Wings. <laughs> yeah, he was um, shooter last year. Funny how that works. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. Um, Strom's a good player. Like he was drafted high for a reason. He, mm. he hasn't really produced at the NHL level. He had, he's had glimpses where you go, ooh, that, that's a third overall pick right there. And then he has other games where you go, hmm, not an NHL player. But um, I think for the most part, I think um, you get him in a room that's young, like, like him still, um, as a guy who can probably fill in to a second, third-line center, you show trust in him. That's something that, um, while I don't like Blaschel, he shows trust in a player. And I feel like most players on that team feel like they're believed in by their coach which is something that's really important I don't think Strom's ever had that through all of his mm. NHL career it's just being believed in I feel like no organization like Chicago traded for him but did they really think that um it was more like a shot in the dark it looked like that's what it felt like when they traded for him than a pure belief thing and my other guy is um Cali Yarncroft he's mm. a UFA next year Seattle haven't been very good this year so you might as well get, get a guy like Callie Yarncroft, who's been a very good producer his whole NHL career and who has been the embodiment of underrated. And you, you get him for probably maybe a third-round pick or some where Detroit has a ton of those, ton of picks all around. Mm-hmm. And you pro- can probably re-sign the guy who got drafted who, and bring him back to Detroit where he got drafted. And those are my two. Damn, Ken Holland. <laughs> but uh yeah so i went i went off the board a little bit with mine but i do i do like i do i do like yours i've been getting those two guys to be really good um my first one is jeff petrie is he gonna get easy a target yes is he gonna get moved um montreal's gonna have to retain like they gonna have yeah. to retain they and here's the thing of jeff petrie i know my buddy jack he had he had a huge rant about jeff petrie on his youtube page Basically, Jeff Petrie, yo, you just signed an extension, my, my man. And then you're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't want to be here. Like, I get, uh, apparently the reason was that I saw is Petrie wants to be with his family. But I doubt it that Stevie Y is going to take a chance on Jeff Petrie. Like, it's not out of the question. But I think Jeff Petrie could get moved. It's going to be hard to move that contract, but Montreal will find a way, I find. And then my second one, uh, Anton Forsberg. Where's he at? I'm sorry. Um, he's Florida, Ottawa. Oh, there, he's, he's been gaining trading interest all year. He was he was really good for a huge for a long stretch when Murray was was injured and Gus was injured. So I think he does get moved because next year you have Gustafson on a one way, not a two way. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna. And Forsberg's UFA at the end of the year. So you cool. team that needs a backup goalie, you're gonna get Forsberg. Or a team that needs like a starter, like Edmonton. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good one. Petrie, like you said, is gonna be tough. Forsberg, they could move no problem. He's mm-hmm. cheap. And any team that needs any type of goal to depth, I think he's not 
He's already been moved like what twelve times in the last two years. You might as well keep moving him. Um, there's a couple other ones. If I can throw a couple names out here, absolutely. Uh, Mason Appleton uh, only heard great things from the Jets fans uh, when he got claimed by the Kraken. He's an RFA. He's super cheap. Uh, the only thing I worry about is that like the Kraken haven't done anything this year. Like not after the expansion draft, nothing. So I don't know how willing they are to really move guys. Yarn croak should be a no brainer. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause the UFA is 30. Uh, it should be a no brainer to try to get something <laughs> out of them, but I don't know. Just, they kind of seem like they're kind of dormant over there. I don't know what Ron Francis is doing. I, I thought he would have done a lot more by now. Um, but I could totally see like a Mason Appleton get, he's 26. He's an RFA. He's, he's kind of the type of player everyone wants in their, you know, mm -hmm. third, fourth line, especially for a playoff run and, and he's affordable. And that's the biggest problem with this year's trade deadline is like 17 teams have no cap space this year. And they're all <laughs> the teams that are probably going to want to try to add cap. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's going to be tough. Like a Jeff Petrie, for example, James, like, like you said, they're going to have to retain on that contract. Uh, and that's a tough one to retain on because it's three years. Uh, so if you're retaining two to three ish million bucks for three years, like that's a big chunk. Maybe Montreal doesn't want to be a cap team for the next couple of years as they kind of do their rebuild. Maybe that's how they're going to do it, but um, that's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, like the affordable ones, I think are the ones we're going to start. We're going to have to start looking at where it's like a million bucks or 2 million, mm -hmm. like Croak, for example, like that range should be easy to add. Um, some of these other guys, when retention starts getting creeping in on all these players, like, I don't know. I, I saw a rumor the other day that Jordan Eberle might get traded uh, and he's five and a half million bucks for three years. Like, again, you're probably gonna have to retain on that. It's just how mm -hmm. it's working here. Like, so it'll be a tough year, but they'll, I think we're, I think the, the, um, the buzzword this year will be like term and affordability. Like that'll mm -hmm. be the big thing that teams are going to want to trade for. Cause if you're, if you're trading for money, it's probably a situation where you're going to want a couple of years where you can make it worth it. Uh, mm -hmm. and not just like, uh, Rasmus or Salinen who's one year at five and a half and then he's gone. Uh, so I, that's one thing I think uh, teams are going to start looking at. Yeah, this this has the potential, in my opinion, to be a, a really interesting trade line trade deadline for multiple reasons. Like Clark said, uh, you know, affordability is going to be a really big one. But the issue is, is the guys that are most mentioned right now, I, there's only one that is considerably affordable. That's a big name, and that's Jacob Chikrin. And I mean, it's not like four million is any small thing for a team to fit in either way. You know, yeah. especially a contender like there's again, like like exactly Clark said, like there is let me go and check and make sure there's. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve teams with currently zero projected cap space. And how many teams have like a hundred thousand or less? Yeah, I mean the, the Leafs have a hundred thousand, Florida has eighty-eight, St. Louis sixty-three, Avs seventy-three, Kings yeah. have five hundred, which is confusing to me. But yeah, I mean like the, the guys yeah, I mean, the, the guys that are, like, there that are, like, to get moved are, like, Thomas Hurdle's, like, you know, a looming one, and it's – he's making a ton of money. John Klingberg's making, like, six, and he's supposed to get moved. Ah, 4.5. Klingberg's oh, really? a 4.5. Oh, yeah. I'm wrong there. Four. No, Klingberg wants, like, 8 million. Yeah, Klingberg wants yeah. that much. That's my bad. That's my bad. Yeah, um, yeah I like, mean, Kessel – Luke, like you said, like to add Chikrin, like that's 4.6 million bucks for three years. So mm -hmm. you have to a have that much money this year or room this year right. and for the next couple of years. So the one team that I heard, for example, is Florida. 
They want to add Chikrin. Okay, yeah. so let's look at what Florida's got. They, they've already got some good defensemen. They're probably going to have to trade Gustav Forsling out because he's making 2.6 million bucks. And they're probably going to have to trade Frank Fichano out. He's making two and a half, and he's a UFA at the end of this year. So there you go. There's two pretty good players that they already are making pretty good use of out the door just to make this close to working. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that. And then on top of that, you probably have to add a prospect because it's Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't trade wants, Arizona wants the house. Like they, yeah. yeah. like I know I, if I'm Arizona, I'm not taking Vetrano and Forsling for yeah. Chikrin. So I, I'm asking for Anton <laughs> Lundell. I'm asking for, mm. you know, I'm asking, Spencer Knight. I'm asking for Spencer yes. Knight. Sure. Like that's what I'm asking for uh minimum. And then a draft pick or something even on top of that. So, these teams are going to have a really hard time making this all work. And that's where I think like Minnesota, when we talked about these guys earlier, where they have a ton of these mid range contracts that could actually work out good for them because they can package a three and $4 million player. Victor Rask makes 4 million bucks. You could put that in and then add money. That's more valuable. So I don't know. I'd look at Minnesota to make a move like the Brock Besser thing you mentioned earlier. Uh, I could see them even maybe going after like a Jeff Petrie and making the money work. Um, stuff like that, where I think Minnesota might be dangerous because they have contracts to move. Whereas all these right. other teams, like I said earlier, they have big contracts and small contracts that won't make a dent in a trade. Absolutely. Um, so like, I know we said the Greenway extension, like next all trade talk, he could get moved easily. That's an affordable. Oh, absolutely. Right now. That's like, that's yeah. exactly what happened to Anthony yeah. Mantha's. We signed up for four years at like 5.25, and then they wasted no time and traded him for Kosa and Verana, evidently. Um, yeah. You know, like nobody's nobody is safe. End of the day, let's just make that clear. Nobody's safe, but there are there are teams that have the potential right now to make some damage. Like the Wild can make some moves. Nashville has been really good this year, and they have ten million in space. Nashville could do some real damn damage at this deadline. Uh, I think a player that I just thought of that might be interesting needs an RFA this year is um, Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah. He has a very affordable contract. I think he, he, I checked him out. He's $3.2 million this year, and then he's an RFA next year. You, you want a guy who's a second, third-line center? I mean, right winger? Don't know why I said center. Se- second, third-line forward? You're going to – Captain's your guy. He's going to get you depth scoring easily, which is important in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, I mean, another RFA that's obviously requested a trade out is uh, Jake DeBrosk. He makes 3.6. He's an RFA to be. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty slam dunk deal for teams that, you know, like those, those guys, those kind of guys are probably going to be the guys, you know, like DeBras Kapanen. We already said Yarn Croak, obviously. McCann is even one. And I, I love McCann. Um, <laughs> he could garner a lot of trade value for Seattle because when he's healthy, he is really good. Uh-huh. I, think, I think Seattle's going to have a fire sale. I think Arizona's going to have a fire sale. Mm-hmm. But unless you, want Phil, you, know, thrill, you know, Phil the thrill back to Toronto, eh? Oh, yeah, bring it back now. <laughs> Yeah, he'd be so good. <laughs> retain it. I want you to break the rules though and retain it ninety percent salary. Okay, Arizona. Yeah. No, 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 no. The trend is now where they trade into one team. And they, yeah, they retain, that is true. Into another team, and then they retain them. They give them the. They give them the, give them the yeah, that is actually a actually a really good point. Is that could be a really like because another one in the new you know like in in trade talks is Flurry. Obviously, if they want to move him, he makes. <laughs> What is it? Seven million still, right? Yeah. No yeah, team is like capable seven. of trading for seven million. You know, you send to one team. You're if you're if you're 
the Blackhawks, you retain half. That's 3.5. You send them to Detroit. They retain half. That's another, what, 1.75. I, I mean, then you get Marc-Andre Fleury at 1.75. You know, like those, that's going to be definitely something that might happen. I you know, would, I'd watch out for teams who have cash base, like, you know, on Ottawa or like. Yeah, uh, those are probably the more dangerous teams right now heading into this deadline is the teams with cash faces, Buffalo, Columbus, Anaheim, Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey, Arizona. Those are the guys that are going to be able to capitalize on a lot this deadline. Pierre and Pierre, let's get it going. Come on. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I can name so many tires right now, but I think we'll talk more about that when we get into trade deadline season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I could, I can go into JT Miller. I can go into others, but we're going to just keep gonna... <laughs> There's a lot of writing on the wall. I mean, the brain I I lost it. <laughs> we're going to go into our, our, to end it. We're just, I'm going to ask you this guy, this right now to end it off. Mid-season awards. Ooh. Ooh. Which ones do you want? Yeah, that's a good question, but yeah, it's let's, changed let, a lot let, from where let, it was let's, last let's year do, the start of the year. Let's do Calder. Let's do MVP. Let's do Norris. Okay, I like that. You know who my Calder is. You know who <laughs> my Norris Calder is. Uh, we're we're going to let our guests start out. We're going to start out with the Calder. Michael Bunting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he's been no. on the tear lately. Yeah. He's been good. I, I I don't know. I have a weird time giving him the he's 25 or whatever. Uh, I would say Lucas Raymond if I had to give one pick one. So shout out to you guys on the bottom there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would. Yeah. Lucas Raymond to me. Uh, I, I love what he's done. And I think he's kind of rejuvenated Detroit uh, quite a bit. So I would say him. He's my pick. Fair enough. Um, I think or Zach Zegris. and I. <laughs> Zach and I can give a collective most cider here. Yes. Yes. Mo. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hop on that. Man. I'm going to hop on that wagon. <laughs> yeah. Most cider. I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's easy as a red wing. I, I feel so bad with the Calder talk at this point, because for me and Zach, especially in our wings group chat, like it's cider. There's no other fucking option mm-hmm. to us. Like Zegris is not an NHL caliber player at this point. Like we, we almost hate him in the group chat at this point. Like, it's it's mass chaos when it comes to Zegris, but I don't know, man. It's it's so hard because like you we watch Cider on a nightly basis, and he is like he plays like a twenty seven year old demon. Like he, you know, like his his draft comparison was Brandon Carlo. He plays like Charlie McAvoy in a Brandon Carlo shell, and that's impressive to me to do as a demon at his age. I mean, he has basically uh-huh. thirty points at forty five ish games. That doesn't really happen that often for rookie demon. Yeah. And you look at our games against Toronto and Pittsburgh, he got in both Matthews and um, Crosby's head. You don't usually yeah. see a rookie who's willing to get in their faces. and just, Yeah, and, he, uh, he doesn't really care, which is fun to see. I yeah. know. I posted in one of the group chats. It was a clip of Zegers, like, doing one of the moves against Ottawa. And, like, you go, like, oh, I thought Bo Sider. Like, and, like, <laughs> Calder, like, new Calder. I thought Bo Sider. Yeah, we're <laughs> – honestly, we're not the people to ask about Calder because we are aggressively on Mo Sider train. <laughs> It is, it's honestly, it's not even like fair at this point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like we're that wrong for it. You know, he has, so, he has 29 points right in four six games. Yeah. So yeah. beginning of the year, I said Lucas Raymond and mm. that could still happen. I'm just wondering. Oh, Lucas oh. Raymond is definitely still there. Honestly, and this is, I, I wanted to mention this and I feel like a dick for saying it evidently, but 
it's really hard for me to say Zegris, and obviously half of this is biased. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But Cider is only like three points back of Zegris as a rookie D-man who plays with Danny DeKaiser or Jordan Osterley on the off night. And Mo- Lucas Raymond is still 19 years old, and he has more points than Zegris. I don't know, man. It's it's. But Zegris, Michigan. Zegris, Michigan. Zegris behind the net pass. Uh, he'd do uh, dangle. <laughs> I do want to let our audience know that Luke and Torter are the same person. (laughs) (laughs) I I do absolutely love Zegris. I love watching him. He has, he already might have like top 10 hands in the league. Like he is definitely all hands team. He is a fantastic talent. No disrespect, but I don't, I I don't think Zegris is top two personally. Mm -mm. I I, I went from hating Zegris in the World Juniors to, like, actually, I love watching him play. Like, he's such so fun to watch. I absolutely love watching him play. He is such a fun player to watch play. And it's it's hard because, you know, like, he's he's an American center who dangles and scores cool points. He's the most marketable player possible. So it'll be interesting to see, at least, on, on how that voting goes. Uh, a little bit of a dark horse too. Just want to throw out Tanner Janot's name, Natural Predator. I do he's good. Uh, he's really oh, good. Yeah. He's like a freaking moose out there, and mm. uh, I just love how he plays. And we had him on my show. Uh, just a quick shout out, and so he's kind of a friend of the show. Uh, so shout out to Tanner from Oxbow, Saskatchewan. Hell yeah! Uh, there you go. And Lundell, he's been he he got five assists in his last game or something. Like don't yeah, don't we, look now, but he, he's he's on a bit of a tear right now. If like we theory. sit here and talk about rookies and we don't mention mention Lundell, the four Florida fans that have social media are going to kill us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Clark, do you have a Norris? Well, no, not uh, Toby, but like, do you have a Norris nominee? I didn't, I didn't ask you that. I, I haven't won one myself. No. Congrats, <laughs> uh, <laughs> No. One day. It, one day. It's it's Kale McCarr for me. Uh, that guy's just a monster. Uh, it's I, I really like Victor Hedman too. I was kind of on Victor Hedman's train last year, and I still will be because I still think he's one of the most, if not the most, dominant defenseman in the league in terms of physicality, uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of his presence. Um. And his reputation, which everybody was so mad about last year, the fact that he was as close as he was to winning last year because of his reputation. Uh, but I think it's McCard, just the way he's scoring goals and the way he's pushing that avalanche team into what we all thought they would be. Um, I think by the end of the year, his numbers are going to be stupid. So I'm going to say McCarr. I agree with McCarr, definitely. There's there's five really good D-men this year. Uh, Fox, Hedman, McCarr, Yossi, and Latang. But McCarr, is, he's just dominant so many assets he is he is probably like you know we talk about fun forwards and fun this and like Makar is so fun to watch like I I remember last year during playoffs uh I turned on an abs game just for like background and I looked at my buddy I was like you gotta watch this number eight this Cal Makar he is fucking insane and it's like he was in the corner and he did the you know like the heel to heel stride just do 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 and just rips one and I'm like what the hell was that? Like he's yeah. he's he's phenomenal. When the Avs came to Ottawa, I was so disappointed because Kale McCarr wasn't healthy. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> right. I had good seats for that. I, I it was disappointing because you know you want to see the best, and I think Kale McCarr has been one of the best defensemen in the league this year for sure. Yep, just skates circles around everyone, doesn't he? Like it's it's just unfair uh, having having McKinnon and McCarr probably two of the best skaters in the league. 
Like, I, I don't even know, man. It, it's just so unfair. Uh, one thing I will say is, again, another Nashville shout out. I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you'll see. The co-host of my show, Max, uh, he's a Nashville fan, so I get a lot of Nashville information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and given the fact that they are where they are in the standings right now, and that Yossi's like leading the way for them, uh, mm-hmm. he deserves a lot of credit, I think, mm-hmm. for, for how good Nashville has been this year. I think Yossi's I, I completely a- agree. I thought about going with him, and I was like, no, I, I, I don't believe he's, that. He's, I don't believe. I hope he gets votes. I, I hope he gets top three. Consideration. Oh, he should. He should absolutely get votes. It, it would be criminal if he doesn't. Um, Zach, are you going with a car as well? Yeah, I'm almost. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say two because one before he got injured, I, I would uh, Adam Fox. Yeah, but yeah. he's injured now, so I'm gonna say Roman Yost. There you go. Let's do it. I do love Roman Yossi. I, I remember I drafted him in fantasy hockey this year, and everyone was like, hmm, weird pick. And I'm like, dude, you're not ready for the bounce back. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like Clark said, I mean, Roman Yossi should probably get a lot more credit than he does because Nashville, a lot of people wrote off Nashville, probably me included. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it was we, just we, like, it's not going to happen. We all, I think all, all of us, like, is me, you, and yeah. Jack, we all wrote off Nashville. Like, mm-hmm. well, they saw, they said they were rebuilding. Yeah, they said they were, they, they they were the rebuilding. And then they're just zoom, like, <laughs> yeah, they, they traded Ryan Ellis. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and they got rid of Becker in and like, he retired. So you think, you know, one plus one should equal two there, but um, it's <laughs> not three. Yeah, exactly. And now we move on to our last award the Heart Trophy. Clark? Our trophy, uh, Michael Bunting. <laughs> Every, everything's Michael Bunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. This is a tough one for me because there's a lot in midseason. You know, it's there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, it's hard not to say just like you know Connor McDavid, but I, I think a, Alex Ovechkin should be getting a lot of uh, love for what he's doing in Washington. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Huberdo should be getting a lot of love for what he's doing in Florida. Uh, and the thing is like, you know, the heart trophy is supposed to be most value. Wait, is heart trophy most valuable to their team? It's most valuable. Yeah, it's, it's MVP. Not best player. Right. So yeah, like to me, I think that's, I think that's Ovechkin. Cause a lot of people, you know, you said earlier, you guys were writing off Nashville. I think a lot of people were writing off Washington. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I, if I recall correctly, I think I was on a show with uh, you guys, and I'm pretty sure everyone said Washington was too old to do anything. And now look at what they're doing. Yeah, I think uh, it was you and Luke who only said, like, Washington would be good. I, I, I had Washington. Washington first in the Metro. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think I, I messed up my Metro division st- uh, predictions pretty bad. But overall, I think I had Washington in the playoff spot. So either way, uh, all I'm trying to say is I think in terms of value to their team, Backstrom's mm-hmm. been out for a lot of the year. Uh, Washington's an older team. Their goaltending hasn't been awesome. And Ovechkin's out here having a renaissance year. So I think he should get a lot of consideration for this um, in terms of value to their team. Yeah. Um, I, I'd go with Ovechkin too. I mean, when you say that people write it off um, Washington, I think most people actually write it off Ovechkin. Like he's 36. People want, yeah, yeah he'll, he'll, he'll score 35 goals. That's, that's realistic for a 36-year-old. That's yes, seriously. Everyone was like, he's not hitting Gretzky's record. Yeah, yeah but, not, but now he you're like, like he, yeah, he's just going to keep doing it. He's just going to keep scoring. He's going to keep getting assists. He's going to keep getting points. It's, it's just ridiculous. He has like probably 25 or 30% of uh, 
Washington's total points and goals, which is like absurd. It's just it's absurd. And yeah, yeah. Ovechkin's just he's so different. He he carries that team and they've been kind of injury riddled this year. And he's yeah. just been like, I don't care, I'm just gonna score. <laughs> um, I put Buck in nets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm I'm on the same kind of boat. Um, I I'm a very against like the the idea of like um, you can be the MVP when you're barely an MVP considerable for your team. Like I I, I love McDavid and Drysaddle. You can never talk shit about them and you know what they do, but neither of them are the MVP because they're what two points apart in points. You know, like it's it's impossible to consider them. And I, I think mine too are Ovechkin and Huberto. Uh Barkov's missed a lot of time this year and Huberto mm-hmm. leads the league in points, which is no sly thing that should just kind of like go under the radar as like Huberto is having an incredible year. And I think he's also an expiring contract in two years, which is something to watch out for. Um but yeah, I mean Ovechkin, you know, it's it's the how does he keep getting away with this meme? You know, like he's, he's 35 years old. He has 29, 29 for 58 and 45. Like he is just, he's not slowing down. And yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like the, everything should mean, you know, like with these individualistic awards, it's like, how much do you mean to your team? How much do you help? And like, you talk Yossi on the Preds, you know, like if you take Roman Yossi off that team, I, and UC Staros is obviously still fantastic, but I mean, how many wins did they realistically have 10? 12, you know, without Roman Yossi. I mean, he has, he has, he's the point leader on that team by a very large margin. You know, he's in the top 30 for point scorers overall. Um, and yeah, it's just, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to say. And obviously I also don't want to leave out Nazem Kadri. Um, just what the fuck is that about? Honestly, is 59 and 40 for him. I don't know about, um, MVP for him because he still has a lot of help in Colorado. Obviously, Miko Rotten is at six in points. Um, Miko Rotten is still really, really good, but Kadri is having just a crazy year. But yeah, my, my pick is Ovechkin. Let me let me summarize that. Sorry, I ramble on a lot. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was good. Uh, anyway, my picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was going to mention that I think Ovech is the MVP, but I got two dark horses. Luke already said one, which is Huberto, who's been fantastic. Which is he's yeah. in the league in points right now. Yeah, he is. And I got yeah. ahead of tries. Other guys have t- games in hand. Like the guys from two to four or two to five all have games in hand. Um, Like a four to – is it four to five games in hand on him? Or sorry, five to six. Um, so that is one thing, but either way to, to lead the league at any point in time, especially more than halfway through the year is insane. And I got, he's got 46 assists, which would put him 17th in league scoring without goals, (laughs) without any of his goals. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. So that's not Uh, bad. (laughs) Yes. I got another dark horse. I'm going to say Igor Sisterkin. I like that. I respect that. It's him. He's been fantastic. Best save percentage in the league. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not counting Vli, who so he's played like 10 games. Hey, so we're not gonna- you don't want to talk guy, about Louis Domingue? What do you mean? He's played one Domingue. game. That's a 976. I know. Like, without just Sturgeon, I'm sorry. Gorgiev is not starter caliber. He's not a starter. He's not it. <laughs> every time I put every time I put money on the Rangers, and I and after I see Gorgiev's and they're like, oh, well, there goes my parlay. Yeah. <laughs> But I think without Igor, the Rangers are not a playoff team. 
want to talk about most valuable player? That's value. You, you can get a goal. You can steal you games mm-hmm. and be the best in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's a 937. That can't be stressed enough. I mean, a 937 as a starting goaltender is absolutely bananas in this mm-hmm. day of the age of the NHL when Florida's putting up eight a game. And I think yeah. I, take, I take Igor for my Vesna as well. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's uh, there's uh, the only debate with Vesna is, you know, you can, you can throw Freddie Anderson and Vasilevsky because it's Vasilevsky, but I don't know. You Saros and Jari have been really good this year, too. True. That's true. Yeah, they've all they've all been great, but Igor Shesterkin is yeah, been he's a, a he's essentially a tier ahead of them. Yeah. Anyway, you guys have any other closing thoughts? I think I've got everything on my post-it note uh, said and done. So, um, Jack Adams. I'm just saying, Jack Adams will go to Dallas Aikens. That's that's the last, last thing I gotta say. If they make playoffs, it's Dallas Aikens. Otherwise, I think it should go to Sullivan. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Maybe the yeah. lot's a bit of a dark horse in there for me, too. Yeah, that's fair. Took a Rangers team, didn't make playoffs. I know Seth Durkin, as um, Clark said, show me a um, Jack Adams winner. I'll show you a good goalie, but, you know. Jack was lit. I do want to say something about the Rangers, though. Like, Gallant's a great coach. Um, Seth Durkin's a great goalie. They still can't develop. No, dude. No. Free Kako, free Lafreniere. Lafreniere is what, like eleven points? They They're both wrong. so <laughs> underwhelming, and I, I hate it. I do. I really do, because they weren't in a rush. You know, like obviously, I get signing Panarin, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's fair. You know, Panarin wanted to come there. You don't deny Artemi Panarin who wants to come to the Rangers, but man, it's just like you had to do better with these guys and obviously they still have time don't get me wrong but yeah Lafreniere has 12 and 44 and let me jump to Kaka who I think last I checked had 14 points uh-uh, a couple Kako. he's on IR currently yeah 14 points in 37 games mm-hmm. they, they needed to do so much better on those guys if those guys if you develop them the right way could you imagine where they were right now they could well, be right now they, they, the big thing I have ways. with Lafreniere is last season um, Panarin went out. Lafreniere was on a tear. He was like point per game in that span between when Panarin was out and when he got healthy, because of um, obviously the drama that was around Panarin at that time. And mm. then Panarin comes back, and Lafreniere goes back to um, third line minutes, barely any power play time, barely any ice time period. And now he's not producing again this year because he's in the same boat. Like it, I really don't know what else you can do with Lafreniere other than trade him at this point. Though, uh, yeah, the Canucks are in on Lafreniere. That's another trade target we could have talked about, but we'll save that for another episode. Um, the only thing I'll say to James is to wrap it up for Jack Adams. You mentioned uh, Dallas Aikens. Uh, I would put Daryl Sutter's name in there for the Flames. Yeah, I know that sounds yeah. weird, uh, but I think the Flames have done really well, and they have a ton of games in hand too. They could easily get close to winning the Pacific, like if they mm-hmm. continue playing. And again, it's Markstrom, so there you go, the goalie coach combination. Uh, and John Hines from Nashville too. Like yeah, John Nashville, Hines. I was looking. We all said that when he got hired. Co- we're like, what is wh- why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why? But the coach of the year, like I said, it's it's either you got a good goalie or you're a good team and you shouldn't have been. He's got both of those boxes checked off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I could see Nashville like John Hines from Nashville winning that also. I think those could be your three. There are probably going to be some other guys like mixed in like Brenda Moore, Gallant, like you guys said, Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think those, 
guys. Nope. <laughs> I was about to make that joke, James. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, there's there is a lot of G or coaches that should be in this year. I, I don't know who the uh, the interim is for Florida, but he should definitely Andrew get Burnett. some credit. Yeah, he should get some credit. Obviously, Florida is fantastic, but just they're just so damn dominant every every single game. Yeah. You know, like that's surely a little bit of a product of Quinville, but like, come on, man. You you gotta you gotta mention the guy. And um Todd McLennan. Um McClell- McClellan, McClellan, god damn it. Um Easy for you to Oilers say. wish they had him now. But yeah, I mean <laughs> the King, Kings have had a very fantastic year for uh what they were expected to do. And I don't know that they have that goalie box checked. So that's an interesting one. Quick was good to start, oh. today, but now he's. <laughs> yeah, Quick has a normal. 913, and I know Cal Patterson hasn't been fantastic. Breaking the world, the worst fantasy up. goalie I ever picked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, so thank you for watching another episode of the LeBlanc cast. We will see you on the next episode. I want to thank uh, Bruce Clark for coming on. Thanks, boys. And thank we you, will sir. see you on another episode. Ciao. Peace out.